0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of JumboCast the Podcast. Happy to be back in the studio joined by Trevor Russo and Sam Brill. I'm your host, Jared Davis. This week we are trying something a little bit different. As our resident athlete liaison, Mr. Brill will be conducting the first ever Athletes Corner. In this segment, Sam goes one-on-one with a tough student athlete and gets the inside scoop
1: on what it takes to be a jumbo
0: athlete. Before we head over to Sam, let's begin by talking a little football with Trevor. Trevor, how you doing?
1: Oh, I'm doing wonderful uh, this, this fine morning. Jared, how are you doing? Uh, of course, not as well as you could be as the uh, Dodgers. They'll They'll bounce back. Don't worry.
0: Yes, but I am riding the high of a big win for my Raiders, beating the Chiefs, handing them their first defeat, maybe the only defeat in the season. As you know, the Chiefs are a formidable force. What are you thinking about Chiefs news? I know we have a lot of Chiefs news.
1: Well, if we're starting with uh, with Chiefs news, the, uh, the resident joke around the NFL fan community right now is uh, the Chiefs lose once and they go out and sign Le'Veon Bell. We'll get more on that later in the podcast. But yeah, an excellent effort from Derek Carr, 350 passing yards. Josh Jacobs, although he wasn't very efficient for most of the day, he snuck in there with a couple of touchdowns. And overall, the Raiders are have been looking quite good on offense. And that John Gruden system is really starting to 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 uh you know to prove its weight here in the NFL, beating the resident Super Bowl champions. I've I've actually always really liked Derek Carr. Um, I understand a lot of the trepidation around him, but I think he's I mean, he's the first quarterback that Oakland's had in in uh in a couple decades now that's really been able to produce, and so I don't know why fans were so. Uh, maybe you probably know a little better than I do, but I've I've never really been one who said the Raiders should cut bait with Derek Carr. I think he's a quality quarterback. Yes, I
0: totally agree there. Um, Derek Carr, I've always been on the Derek Carr bandwagon. He may not win you the Super Bowl, but he definitely does enough if you put the right pieces around him to take you to the playoffs and maybe have some success in the playoffs. Let's. Um, we know Derek Carr got a big injury a couple years ago that kind of stopped the Raiders' run. Speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about injuries around the league. We know we have Dak, which is one of the biggest headline news injury. Lots of other smaller injuries. Can you take, give us a quick glance at the injury landscape of the NFL?
1: Well, uh, I guess you know uh, we we could start with the biggest one, Dak Prescott, who throughout his career has been probably. Over the last five years, the most, I'd say the most durable quarterback in the NFL, save for a little spell last year where he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, 100%. He lost that week 16 game to the Eagles where he clearly couldn't push the ball down the field. But this is, this is a big, big blow to the Cowboys. I mean, someone who's been so durable, so reliable for the Cowboys ever since they drafted him out of Mississippi State in the fourth round. This just hurts too, because, you know, He's been a leader in the locker room, a great spokesman for the NFL, Um, and as an Eagles fan, even though, you know, you love to hate Dak Prescott, you got to feel for him here, and you especially got to feel for the fact that, you know, he he was so close to getting that contract extension, and now he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year after an uncertain uh, future. Um, I guess you could also go, if we're talking injuries, you could go to the to the Steelers, who lost Deontay Johnson early in that game, which actually opened them up for a remarkable performance by uh, by Chase Claypool, the young rookie, uh, who, I don't know if you guys saw, he had four touchdowns on the day. I believe one of them was a rushing, rushing touchdown, uh, just befuddled the Eagles all game, especially on uh, the final touchdown of the game where you had Chase Claypool lined up against one of the worst linebackers in the NFL Nate Gary uh and he he just toasted him. there was nothing really the Eagles could do to stop Chase Claypool all day he was even beating up on uh Pro Bowl corner Darius Slay and so the Steelers moved to 4 and 0 on the season I guess that's uh that's one injury news leading up to another could go to uh Chargers Saints talk of talk of a little bit about uh Keenan Allen if that works with you, Jarrett. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so... Chargers fan, but Keenan
0: Allen is a rare talent. You love to talk about him. He doesn't get the due uh, talking he really deserves.
1: Yeah, no, Keenan Allen, of course, uh, has been a reliable target for uh, the young stud rookie, Justin Herbert, uh, who once again had an amazing performance. Uh, I believe that he has been graded as one of the best quarterbacks In the league under pressure which for a rookie who everyone said had physical talents raw skills but really wouldn't be able to convert them at the next level is remarkable so uh justin herbert four touchdowns keenan allen goes out early in that game after scoring a touchdown and although breeze uh looked a little shaky he was able to push the ball down the field uh, a little bit better than he had notably the saints without michael thomas in that contest uh michael thomas getting in a fight at practice with the with i believe it was uh cj gardner johnson but the saints pulled out in overtime 32 27 and i guess if we're talking uh injuries we could go take one look at the rams football team game not very interesting rams moved to four and one on the season having defeated the entire nfc east 30 to 10 win but it wasn't really the An injury happening, but coming back from an injury as one of the most remarkable stories in the NFL, Alex Smith, Kyle Allen, the new starting quarterback for the football team, gets knocked out early. And Alex Smith actually comes into the game and is able to play meaningful snaps, actually gets sacked by Aaron Donald on, uh, I believe, the first drive he's in. But for Alex Smith to almost lose his leg to come back to play football is is absolutely just mind-blowing. Definitely.
0: No, yeah, definitely. Wanted to say a little something on that too, Trevor. Um, I saw that Aaron Donald said um, that leg is strong. And um, yeah. from a Pro Bowl defensive tackle, defensive lineman, you really know what that means. I mean, as a quarterback, you have to stand in the pocket and you have to have no fear that your knee's going to give out. It's a big thing with just knee injuries. But you see the gruesome, horrific injury that um, Smith sustained, and then all of the complications due to infection. So yeah. um, Donald, not Donald, saying that he's not afraid that he's that leg is strong, really tells you that uh, Alex Smith is good to go, and he may uh, he may do some good things for the football team there.
1: Yeah. So uh, just in the interest of time, I'll go for a bit of a quick hit around the NFL game by game. Jaguars lose to the Texans, who get their first win of the season under new head coach, oldest head coach in the league, Romeo Cronell. Deshaun Watson has his first real standout day, I think, of the season. 360 passing yards, three touchdowns. Texans win this one, 30-14. They are tied with the Jaguars uh, for last in the AFC South. The Cardinals, despite uh, a bit of a strange day from Kyler Murray, are able to easily handle the New York Jets, uh, starting Joe Flacco in this one. Uh, they win 30-10. Cardinals move to 3-2. and Jets stay 0-5. Uh, the big move on the day, people were expecting. Adam Gase's firing has not done the job there in New York. In fact, it's Le'Veon Bell who gets uh, released by the team, not able to find a trade partner. And as we said, signed to the Chiefs just this week. That offense gets scarier. Uh, we covered it earlier, but Steelers defeat the Eagles. 38 to 29 Eagles move to 1-3 and 1, still only half game out in that terrible terrible NFC East. Steelers 4 and 0 and uh I believe they take on a bit uh tougher of a schedule from here on out. The Panthers uh move to 3 and 2. The Falcons 0 5. Uh Falcons firing head coach Dan Quinn after I believe 5 seasons in uh in uh in Atlanta. You know, took him to that Super Bowl, choked, and things have not been the same since. Panthers, actually, under head coach Matt Rule and Teddy Bridgewater, have uh, have really started to surge, and they are tied for first in the NFC South. The Ravens absolutely manhandle the Bengals. No chance for Joe Burrow in this one. Lamar Jackson, a pedestrian day, but the defense definitely gets it done. Rams beat the football team 30-10. to Raiders beat the Chiefs. 42-32. Uh, Chiefs go to 4-1, and one, still leading that division. Raiders at 3-2. and two. The Miami Dolphins absolutely blow out the 49ers uh, defending Super Bowl runner-ups, 43-17. to 17. Big story in this one is not only Fitzpatrick putting on a clinic, but also Jimmy Garoppolo being benched after throwing two picks, both of which could have been thrown by a fourth grader. So we'll see if he is actually 100% or if Shanahan's lost patience with him. Browns moving into second place in the uh AFC North, 4-1 and one on the year. Who would be able to say uh just at the beginning of the season after that first game with the Rams that the Browns would be looking like a competent football team, much less just uh an exceptional one in the maybe in the league's top 10 or 15, 32 to 23. philip Rivers kind of blown in that one. Giants almost beat the Cowboys but fall short 37 to 34 winning on a last minute Greg Zerline field goal of course Dak Prescott going out in this one but that Cowboys defense is going to be a problem for them all season uh on Sunday night football you had Viking Seahawks the right now the uh one of the top teams in the NFL Russell Wilson you know having a bit of an off game in the first half, but they ultimately rallied to win this one, 27-26. Mike Zimmer getting some heat for going for it on fourth and inches from this five-yard line. Let me tell you, he would have gotten a lot more heat if he had kicked the field goal from that position. I don't blame him one bit. And on Thursday Night Football, it's a little out of order here. Nick Foles goes to 2-0 against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, 20-19. The I believe the Bears defense really holding Tom Brady. To and the and the uh, Bucks to only about three points for most of the second half, and finally you had the uh, the shove heard around the world. The Titans absolutely manhandle the Buffalo Bills. They go to four and zero on the season. Titans under Mike Vrabel. The Bills, after looking like the NFL's darling for the first quarter of the year here, fall to four and one on the season. I believe they are still leading. That would mean that they are still leading at the AFC East. You wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't expect to hear that. Josh Allen having his first truly rough game of the season, had a, had a couple of turnovers on the day, and Ryan Tannehill continuing to show why the investment in him was a good one. Derek Henry, of course, shoving Josh Norman in something that has been, of course, replayed on your feed hundreds of times. I think we covered everything, Jared. Any more questions? No, no questions for you, my man. You are very, very,
0: very thorough, but I just wanted to round back to maybe Dak, possibly Mm -hmm. talk about Cam Newton and Devontae Adams coming back, what that's going to look like, maybe how you think um, the divisions are going to shape up as we're almost um, a quarter of the way through the season. Uh, Just a quick summary of all these things. What's your outlook on the games coming up? Who do you think has a chance to win these divisions? The impact of COVID, how's that, how's that affecting things? You know, you see some games being canceled, some players uh, missing weeks like Cam. What you got?
1: All right. So I guess in terms of Dak, uh, I mean, I think that a lot of people are saying that this is this is uh, Jerry Jones's fault for him not getting the contract. But in the business of the NFL, um, Injuries are a big one, and uh, ultimately, I I do, you know, you might get some heat for saying this, but I do think Dak should have taken the contract that he got the uh 35, $36 million for five years. I know it wasn't what he wanted, but the fact is you take the contract early to avoid uh, situations like this where you're going to be in limbo, and now, you know, his value wasn't high Couldn't have been higher than it was after last season, after putting in a top five quarterback performance, Cowboys weren't ready to commit to 40 million a year. And I don't think that having an injury like this one, especially for uh, a quarterback like Dak, where his explosiveness on the ground is really a formative part of his game. I don't think that value is going to come back up. Uh, I think the Cowboys are still going to try to negotiate because I don't think they, you know. I don't think they, Dak is really crucial to their success, despite, you know, their pedestrian records. I think it's going to be an interesting contract negotiation for sure. In terms of uh, Cam Newton, he's finally coming back to the Patriots this week, I believe. I think he was cleared for practice. So that game against the Denver Broncos should be going well. Of course, without Cam Newton, the Patriots really have not been doing well. Brian Hoyer put in a terrible performance last week against the Chiefs, as did uh young Jarrett Stidham. So they should be happy to have him back, especially in a competitive race with the Buffalo Bills, who no doubt um are going to be fired up to try to win the rest of this division after that first loss to the Titans. And Devontae Adams coming back, I think is uh I mean it's it's scary, especially for the uh Packers opponents. You see Aaron Rodgers 13 touchdowns without an interception this year. He is my fantasy quarterback, and I'm very happy I have him. The man has just uh, I think that Jordan Love selection, something about slighting Aaron Rodgers, whether it's uh whether it's the team or maybe his family, they it just gets him going. And he he has been lights out this season. And especially, I think Robert Tanyan has been really nice for him out of the tight end position. His production might lower a little bit uh after that after that, you know, after the return of Devonte Adams, but you know, they've lost Alan Lazard, but their offense keeps on humming. I don't think this is like years past where they've really struggled offensively because of Rodgers' decision making. I think he's he's back in full force this season. Yeah. Sorry about that uh probably shouldn't have snuck that Aaron Rodgers dig in there, but uh you know, the man on the field, he is a wizard. In terms of the divisions, I'd probably say I mean, we go NFC to to afc i think that ultimately i think the once the eagles i think the eagles are going to lose the ravens this weekend but i think once they get past that i do believe that the uh i i'm gonna i don't know why i'm picking this i know i should know better than to pick this i just think that dallas defense is way too porous for them to win the division and i'm gonna pick philly to take it here over dallas uh, of course that depends on i think which way the Dallas-Philadelphia matchups always go. Usually they split those. If Dallas is able to take a couple, then they might have it. But for now, it's a tentative Philadelphia. I think in the North, I believe that the Chicago Bears are a bit of a paper tiger. I genuinely do not know how they have gotten to 4-1, and and I do not think that they will be winning, uh, staying at an 800 winning percentage for long. I think Green Bay... Is looking like a top three team in the nfl right now i'd pick them in the afc south it's a little more muddled uh i don't think any team has really been able to stand out so far i i know i know tampa bay's got tom brady but they just look too a little too green and a little out of sorts to start here i'd like to pick new orleans but they you know they they definitely have not shown it carolina i think they're just i think asking them to win a tough, competitive NFC South in Matt Rule's first year and Teddy Bridgewater's first year. I think that's going to be a bit of a stretch. I'm going to take New Orleans. I don't feel great about that one either. And in the West, I, I'm i going to take Seattle. I think Russell Wilson is looking like the MVP this year, only rivaled by Aaron Rodgers. And we go to the AFC. We've got Buffalo, New England, Miami, and the Jets. Well, we can eliminate the Jets right off the bat. Miami... They've looked actually quite impressive with Ryan Fitzpatrick helming them. New England is an interesting scenario where I think they're relying a lot on what Cam Newton can do. The Bills are 4-1, and but I I just love the Bills this year. I'm going to take them to to beat New England. I know everyone rues picking against New England, but I think right now you've never seen the Patriots in this kind of scenario. Uh, The North... Also really competitive, you got the 4-0 Pittsburgh Steelers, the 4-1 Cleveland Browns, the 4-1 Baltimore Ravens. I just, I love that fierce attacking defense of the Ravens. Scored a couple of touchdowns against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And I think in these Pittsburgh-Baltimore slugfests, it's usually the team that can force a turnover, and I like Baltimore's odds there, so I'm going to go Baltimore. Uh, Tennessee, right now looking like the absolute standout. Phillip Rivers. You know he's kind of adjusting to the Colts, but I think he's looking a little slippery. And I just, the Tennessee Titans uh, with their running game and with Tannehill on play action have just been too dominant. I'm going to pick Tennessee. And then finally, you can't go against the defending champions in the West. I'm sorry, Jerry. I'm going to have to go with Kansas City. I think that although your Raiders though they might be in line for a wild card spot along with I'd say I think it's going to be between New England, Pittsburgh, Cleveland and Las Vegas. One of those four is going to be out of the playoffs. Of course, seven playoff slots this season in the NFL. And I think for wild cards, I don't expect anyone from the NFC East to be making the playoffs outside of that. I think that uh, Tampa Bay and Carolina can grab a playoff spot. I'd probably say the Rams, one of the Rams and Arizona grab a playoff spot. I probably lean towards, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of a wild pick here. And I'm going to say Arizona pick one up. And I don't think anyone else from the AFC, I don't think anyone else from the AFC North is going to make it. I think that uh, Chicago might fall off. And I think Arizona, the Rams, and let's say, you know what? Let's say Carolina. No, 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 not Carolina. Sorry. Let's say Tampa Bay take that. So yeah, that's going to be all my picks. I know that it uh, that was a little exhaustive, but we're a bit through the quarter point of the season now, and it's only getting better.
0: That was super great, super great. Thanks again, Trevor. That was awesome. I don't know if I agree with all of your picks, but definitely I know you don't. <laughs> grounded in some great logic and reasoning there. This is why we have you on, Trevor Russo, the consummate professional. Thank you again, Trevor. All right. Thank you. See you. Alrighty, have All right. Now we're going to take a brief time out and send it over. To Sam Brill in the Athletes Corner, interviewing Colby Shea and Joelle Zeleny from the Tufts women's basketball
2: team. Sam Brill, nice to have you on the show. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for having us. And I, I'm here now with Colby and Joel. Thank you guys for joining us on, on the Jumbo Cast podcast.
3: Thanks for having us. Yeah.
2: So I'm going to start by asking you guys what it was like at the end of last season. You guys were the number one ranked team in NCAA Division three for women's hoops, you know, had a, had a big big run in the NSCAC tournament. What was it like having having your season canceled on on what seemed like a road road to victory?
4: Yeah, so we were going into the Elite Eight, and that week, Corona started to get a little more serious, and the NBA canceled and the NHL canceled before us. We were like one of the only um, sports left playing. And Friday, while we we're waiting to practice, we we're all in the locker room, and we got the news and. It's pretty sad. Very unfortunate.
3: Yeah. Everyone was pretty heartbroken. It was our year to do big things and we were ready to make up for it this year.
2: So after such a, a rough end to the season, how did you guys stay motivated throughout the summer and, and what did your summer training regimen really look like?
3: Well, we stayed motivated uh, because we wanted to make up for it this year and like do it for our seniors who don't get to play again. Um, but unfortunately, our season got canceled this year, but over the summer, um we had conditioning and strength packets that our trainers here gave us and our coaches and um my gym my basketball gym opened up at home, so I was going there a lot um yeah, just staying on the grind,
4: yeah, it was very different. It was tough because. Even outdoor basketball courts weren't open for a while and indoor courts didn't open till like the middle of the summer. So we had to adapt and find other ways to work out and yeah.
2: So you touched on it briefly about how your season this year was was canceled. Did you guys have any inclination or thought that that's, that's what was going to happen when you guys got back onto campus?
4: Back in March, I would have no... Clue that this would happen. I thought we would have definitely had a season, but going into this school year, since Corona is still pretty bad in our country, I thought there was a chance. But I had hope that we would still have at least a few games if we we're just playing teams around Boston or just um, against NESCAC
3: schools. Uh, yeah. yeah, we were completely shocked also that it came so early. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought that there was a chance we could play in the spring but just the NESCAC canceling like at the beginning of October really came as a shock to all of us
2: and how has the team dynamic changed from last season to this season i know you guys had a lot of strong seniors in your lineup and now coming into the coming into the fall you have a bunch of new freshmen and it, it seems like it's been pretty difficult on a team to team basis to train so what what has what has the team dynamic really been like this fall
4: Well, our team's very close and we still are, but last year we were able to spend so much time together. And now because of Corona, it's a lot different. So, um, and also with workouts, we aren't able to do any pickup or, and our lifts are shortened. So it's a lot different, but we're still working hard and we'll see.
3: We're trying to do a lot um, social distance with our team to try to get the freshmen involved and so everyone can get to know each other um we also start practice on monday and we just um got the go ahead to play live um with small groups which is really big for us so that's exciting um but yeah we're excited to get to start working together soon
2: your season has been canceled you guys have practice starting next week how do you think it's going to be different in terms of the mentality of the team, because you know that you're no longer training for something tangible. You're training for something that's going to be there in the future.
3: Mm -hmm. I mean, it is difficult that we don't have a season and to think that like we have a whole nother year to wait till we can actually like play together potentially like who knows what the future holds with this pandemic. But I mean, we know that we have a goal in mind. We want to win a national championship so, we got to stay focused and do what we need to do this year and stay in shape so next year we can get it done.
2: And what have been some of the things that your your coaching, your coaching staff and your your coach have been really preaching to try to keep you guys focused on on that national championship even if it seems so distant right now.
4: They've been really preaching just to huh. keep going, stay positive. It's a tough year, so just try to have fun, but at the same time, work really hard. So we'll be ready for next year.
3: Yeah. They also keep reminding us that like we always have each other and to use each other um, whenever we need motivation or feel down to keep us going.
2: Awesome. And I remember you guys mentioned briefly about the lifts and how those have been shortened and your practices have been shortened. Can you walk me through what a normal lift would be like before and now during, during the, the COVID season?
4: Um, a normal lift before would be about an hour long. We would lift in like groups of two or three and help each other. And we would do some conditioning along with that. And now our lifts have been shortened to 25 minutes. We have to be distanced with masks on. And no one's allowed to spot us or help us in any way. So kind of have to take back the weight. But still yeah. working
3: out. Everyone has their own individual racks. Um, the weights are there for everyone. We got a... 25 minutes, go through everything, and then uh, wipe everything down and leave. It's very structured.
2: And how does it feel in terms of a team lift versus an individual lift?
3: I also, I mean, we're a very big talking team, Mm -hmm. so like still in the weight room. It's nice that our whole team can be in there. We're still cheering each other on and talking to each other all the time, uh, making sure Mm -hmm. we're uplifting each other.
2: So now that we know what your your training is like off the court, how do you anticipate practice is going to be when you guys get back on the court for your one on ones and and head head to head situations
4: um Well, we just found out that we're allowed to play contact, which is awesome It's great news to hear. Um, so I think it'll be a lot of skill work. We're split up in two different groups of about like six or seven people um but now we'll be able to play three on three. It'll be the first time that any of us get to play live since last season. So that'll be really exciting.
2: And do you guys anticipate that you're gonna be able to have any exhibitions against other schools in the area anytime soon, either now or at the beginning of next semester?
3: Um, hope Definitely not now. Um, I don't think the most we can play with each other is two on two and three on three. So definitely not with any other schools. But um, hopefully, like, next fall, things are closer to back to normal. We can play, pick up with each other, and then hopefully get some games going.
2: Mm -hmm. And a little bit unrelated from your winter sport of basketball, but after the changes have been announced to the tough schedule where we're coming back in February, how do you think that's going to impact spring sports?
4: I'm hoping spring sports have a season. I think... They have a chance and I think it really depends on how our winter sports go and if everything goes smoothly and no corona hits us, then I think the spring sports definitely have a chance and I really hope so.
3: Hopefully us playing live um, goes well and with contact so that it gives spring sports a better chance to happen and hopefully get a few games in.
2: All right, well, thank you guys for joining us on on the JumboCast podcast. And, Jared, I'm going to throw it back to you. Thank you so much,
0: Sam. That was amazing. uh, First installment of Athletes Corner with Sam Brill in the books. We look forward to having him back next week, hopefully. Um, And for now, we're going to sign off. This is Jared Davis bringing you JumboCast the podcast The inside scoop to all things athletics on the hill and off. Have a good one, folks.